Now imagine that you've got this little gremlin that sits on your shoulder. Every time you make a mistake, every time you do something wrong, every time you don't get it perfect, it picks at you. Eventually mm-hmm. your self-esteem is going to low, get lower and lower and lower. But how we break it is we listen, we go, thank you for your comment. We give it acknowledgement. Once we acknowledge give it, space. it. Yes. So once you acknowledge it, you're going, okay, I notice you're there and it's trying to keep me safe. Thank you for trying to keep me safe, but I'm going to give myself permission to do this anyway. And I might suck at it, but you know what? Me being in the game is more important than me sitting on the sidelines, not taking any action because I'm afraid of what you're going to say. Dear Balancer, I know you're a determined person on the lookout for ways to live a more fulfilling and balanced life, but you're busy. And if we're being honest, that busyness often comes at the expense of your priorities. The Balance Theory podcast is made to teach busy bees just like you how to find and own your own definition of balance so that you can become unapologetic in how you choose to spend your time. I'm your host, Erica, and together, let's find your unique balance. All right, balancers, today's guest is a human behavior expert exclusively focusing on the inner workings of the relationship with the self and the mind, something we all love to talk about and hear about. He's been speaking and coaching in his field for more than 12 years and guides individuals to break down inherent beliefs and old habits that sabotage growth and profitable results. It's my pleasure to welcome Emil Steenfield on the show today. Emil, a warm welcome. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's really nice to have you on. I mean, we were chatting a little bit before we jumped on. I thought I better just start pressing record. Otherwise, we're going to start the podcast without officially starting the podcast. Um, So I've shared a little bit, I guess, about what you do. But I'm curious to know how you got there, how you got to working as a human behavior expert. Was this something you were always drawn to? I mean, I know you kind of had a career starting in acting. So I'm really curious to know how the journey led you here and, and I guess just to what you're doing today. Yeah, well, it's it started, I mean, I was very curious as a child. My mother actually has been studying psychology my whole life. Wasn't a leaf too far from the tree <laughs> or yeah, fruit, as they, they say. Yeah, they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So, yeah, I literally was, I grew up having these books around and as a child, I was always a deep thinker. And I was a deep thinker because I was constantly trying to get it right, trying to get it perfect. Mm. And I was trying to get it right and trying to get it perfect because I didn't, at the time, I wasn't receiving the love and the approval from my father that I, that I needed. So what did I do? I thought I have to be better. I have to be, I have to be more perfect. It has to be the best. I have to win mm. because what, what happens when we, when we win, we, we get praise, we get love, we get, we get fed. And this is where I began this whole journey of like, oh, if I act like this, then I'll get this. If I show up like this, then I'll receive this. And it's funny because you start placing you know, conditions, right, on like all the things yes. you do. Everything you do is calculated. But the worst thing about this is it's it's disconnected because you might get the result, but you're disconnected. You're it's it's inauthentic. Mm. And this is what I was doing. I was I was a people pleaser, and I was trying to please to get accepted. I was looking for that self approval, that acceptance, and I was always coming mm. from outside of me. And this is why it's so dangerous. But at the same time, the bonus of what I got from that and doing that is learning how people behave, learning what what ticks people off, what what lights people up, their emotions. Oh, that person reacted like that, that must mean that. So I started really really picking up on patterns from a young age. And as I got older, um started to realize a lot more and, and um, you know, I became I was a model and an actor for about twelve years. And I thought 
this is the, the thinking fan. I thought if I become an, uh, an, a model, I was asked several times, but to be honest, I was really scared of rejection. Mm-hmm. And that was my perfectionist. So I was like, I don't want to do something that I could get rejected in. So I made every excuse under the sun until I finally took the leap and jumped. And then when I finally jumped, it was like the most immersive experience because I got to learn on the field. Like everything about the modeling taught me about myself. Every time I put myself out there, I had to learn how to deal with rejection. And the more I dealt with rejection, the more I learned to accept myself because what other people's opinions about me, it wasn't, I couldn't focus on that. Otherwise I would miss the next job. Mm -hmm. So along the journey, it just, it just transformed in the way I show up, in the way I create, in the way I build, in the way I communicate. And, you know, long story short, going from the modeling into what I do today, everyone goes, well, how did you go from here to here? And in fact, it actually had such a major um, impact on me because as a model, what we're doing, we're getting judged. We're getting judged by what we look like. You can't change that. So you have to accept like this Mm. is me, right? Otherwise, you're going to get literally run through the mud every time you get a casting, every time you get rejected, you're going to feel really bad about yourself. And this is where I started diving more and more deeper into the self-development because I was like, huh, what makes someone successful? What makes somebody confident? What makes somebody show up authentic? How, how do people express? And this is where I started to go deeper and deeper into the craft. This is why I love having these conversations because I guess from the outside to me and maybe to a lot of people listening too, it almost does seem like, you know, very two different careers to take, you know, model slash actor and now being on the self-development side. But now having this conversation with you, it's so interesting that that journey was almost like intricately connected and set you up for what you're doing now. And I think Mm. it's really nice to actually hear that side because often we think of um, people who model potentially, well, maybe I guess it just comes down to the the individual, right, and and how self-aware they are. But I think it's interesting that you use that experience, uh, an, an experience where you're very explicitly judged right? Judgment and rejection is something you face nonstop more so than, you know, more so for how you look than, than any other industry. Um, I think it's interesting that you harness that as a bit of a strength to, to go within, because I think that for a lot of people listening, it's not so removed from potentially their own experience, right? The, The fear of judgment and rejection is something we all face, whether it's running a business and feeling that from your clients, whether it's working in a job and feeling that from your boss or your seniors, or even being in a relationship with friends, family, mm-hmm. etc. So I think it's really interesting that you've learned how to harness that to be a strength. But I have to ask you, because I think a lot of the time, and I know a lot of the people listening, I know myself, it's something I've struggled with. We are our own worst critic. And sometimes we can be at the mercy of a lot of the things that are being said to us that we're feeling, or at least that we think other people think, right? I think sometimes it's not even exactly what they think, but it's that we think that's what they think. So how do we actually then harness that and move away from being our worst critic to using it as a strength? Is that is that a dichotomy or like a situation that you've kind of felt a bit of a push and pull between in and amongst your journey? Um, and if so, do you kind of have any tips for when the worst the inner critic the, the mean girl comes up. Yeah, it's it's funny you say, because I mean, my theme for this year is how can I become my best friend? Mm, love that. The, and the reason why I say that is because really ask yourself, whoever's listening, like how would your friend encourage you and show up for you? And when I say that, 
how how can you become your best friend what would you say to yourself how would you show up how would you create goals when you make make mistakes what do you say to yourself right because most of us the biggest this critic it's it's there secretly it wants you to win but at the same time it doesn't allow you to make mistakes now imagine that you've got this little gremlin that sits on your shoulder and every single time you make a mistake this is, this is your shadow, right? This is the critic. Every time you make a mistake, every time you do something wrong, every time you don't get it perfect, it picks at you. Eventually, mm-hmm. your self-esteem is going to low, get lower and lower and lower. But how we break it is we listen, we go, thank you for your comment. We give it acknowledgement. We have to acknowledge it because that's our dark side. Once we acknowledge it, space. it. Yes. So once you acknowledge it, you're going, okay, I notice you're there. And it's trying to keep me safe. Thank you for trying to keep me safe. But I'm going to give myself permission to do this anyway. And I might suck at it. But you know what? Me being in the game is more important than me sitting on the sidelines, not taking any action because I'm afraid of what you're going to say. Mm. So the more we can do that every day and give ourselves permission to literally suck and go, you know what? I'm not going to be the best at it. But just for today, if I just practice for like five minutes today, five minutes is better than nothing right? Mm-hmm. Don't do an hour and, and give me, I'll give you an example, right? It could be like, you know, you could say to yourself that I'm really good at, I'm not really good at reading or I don't read. I can't focus, right? So every time you go to do that, this inner critic is going to be like distracting, distract, 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 because that's the underlying belief. But if you just say to yourself just for today, you know what, I'm going to read for five minutes. That's it. No more than five minutes. And that's all you can do. Then you've won. So then you do it again. And then that that habit turns into consistency. And the more you are consistent, what's going to happen is you will start to trust yourself because in that moment, you know that you're going to follow through because that's what you've been doing. Only five minutes, mm. not 10 mm. minutes, not 20 minutes, not half an hour, just five minutes. Do that for a week. And what we're doing is we're breaking that habit of following through. And we're mm. going, you know what? I'm just going to follow through. And you make the goal really, really small because what the... Yes, achievable, right? I always say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the practice, right, of acknowledging the negativity, the self-talk and giving it space is a really good habit to get into because I think that would help with if you struggle with like external judgment or if you have people in your life that like guilt trip you, I think if you get in a habit with yourself, it will then mirror and you'll be able to replicate it with when other people kind of try and put that on you too. You'll, you'll build that internal muscle. Uh, but I think it's really important to note as well because often this voice comes up when you're doing something that's unfamiliar and uncomfortable, right? It doesn't come up when you're brushing your teeth every morning, being mm-hmm. like, oh, you're brushing them wrong because mm-hmm. we've done that to death. You know, we know how to do that. It's not even something we think about. So I think the, the we, we shift the focus to A, accepting it's there and then B, going, you know, I'm just going to work on making this new thing a consistent habit until it feels comfortable, you know, deep down that it will, you know, it will calm down because it doesn't feel at risk. Ultimately, that voice is a replication or or a sign from our like fight or flight response, which is primed where it's meant to keep us safe, you know, and and historically it did its job. But I think in today's day and age, the, the quote unquote threats we face are not necessarily at the same extent as they were when we were primal human beings. And so acknowledging mm. that it's just doing its basic job, the same thing it was doing when we were hunter-gatherers, but to, in today's age it maybe has a little bit of a different role. Um, it's kind of like you were saying, it's having that gratitude. Thank you. I know you're trying to protect me. But then just really harnessing on the small steps to make that thing achievable um, is and kind another, of what I would add to that. 
And yeah, and another thing you can really do is add to the space of if this was your friend right next to you, what advice would you give this person? Because ultimately, you know, that inner critic, we would never speak to ourselves like we'd speak to a friend. I know, it's like crazy. We, you know, and, and we are so bad at this to the point where it's like, you know, we're super harsh. Yeah. Another way you can break this pattern actually is write down what is the persistent critique that I'm saying about myself every single time mm-hmm. I get in my uncomfortable zone. Because then what you're going to start to do is pick up on the awareness, right? And if you start to do that every single day and you go, okay, what, what, what is the critique or what is the complaint that I have about myself every time I make a mistake? What do I say to myself? And then you'll start to see a pattern. You'll start to see a pattern of, of all the words you say to yourself. And it might be, I'm not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're dumb. You're this, you're that. You stuff when this you, up, yeah. Yeah, so when you pick up on these patterns, these language patterns that are actually subconsciously repeating back in your mind all the time, then you can get to catch it. Once you mm. can catch it, then we can give it more space by going, oh, I'm noticing I'm saying that thing. This is what I'm going to do instead. Yeah. We, break the yeah. pat- we have to break the pattern, but we, before we can break the pattern, we have to be aware of what the pattern is. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point because often we talk about, you know, just be aware of, of these things. But sometimes mm. like it's, I always like giving people like really practical tips and it's like, well, what mm. does that actually mean? And I think if you're someone who's like, you know, you haven't really given this the time it needs and it's something you're struggling with, actually writing down the thoughts and getting in that habit, I think does two things. One helps with awareness, but two, it almost puts distance between you and the thought. So you're like, okay, this is something I can see and observe. And just by virtue of that, it's separate to you, right? Otherwise you internalize and you're like, this is a part of me. But I guess on this topic, yeah, I guess on this topic, being our um, inner worst critic, I guess is something that can really hold us back from reaching our full potential, uh, from, from just being our most authentic selves. Do you see in your practice, in your years of experience, is there anything else or any other habits other than this one that also fall into the camp of really holding people back from their, their greatest potentials? Things that um, even we do every day that people might be like, wow, I didn't know that was, you know, something that is holding me back. Or maybe they do know, but, you know, they're sweeping it under the rug as well. I think a lot of people still to this day seeking approval and waiting for people to give them permission. And mm. subconsciously it's like what a lot of people do is, is they set outcome-based goals versus process-based goals or identity-based goals. And the difference is an outcome-based goal is like when I get to this weight and I lose all this weight, I'm going to feel a certain way. When I make the million dollars, I'm going to feel more confident. I'm going to feel like I'm on top of my game. When this person accepts me, then I'm going to feel good about myself, right? Conditions, conditions. always waiting until I get it before I can feel it. And I think that's one of the biggest problems is that if you want to create it, you need to come from it instead of going waiting until you come, you get it. So mm. coming from it is who do I need to be today in order to have what I desire tomorrow? Yeah. And when you are working with identity, the difference is they're both necessary. Outcome is necessary to set outcome-based goals because you need to be clear about what you want. But you also need to be really clear about who I need to be. What is my identity? Because identity is the belief and the underlying belief that this is the things that I do every day and then that eventually will compound and that will reach my goal. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right? You don't yeah. just become a millionaire. You already start having creating the traits today. You might yeah. set up a trust fund. You might set up your bank accounts. You might have a certain people in your team. And you'd be like, okay, I'm going to build this. This is how I'm going to show up for my team. This is how I'm going to train. Is, you know, it's like there's all these little micro habits that come in space before you can get to the outcome. Mm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. No, go. No, I was just going to say, I love that you brought up the outcome versus process goals because it's something mm. I've spoken about before. And, and my biggest thing when it comes to goal setting is who are you going to become when you achieve that mm. thing? Because so often we're so laser focused, right, on that number that dollar amount, that promotion, whatever it is, right? It's normally a very specific metric, but that specific metric cannot account for all the things that you learn, that you grow into, that your beliefs become along the way, right? So when you really zoom out and understand who you need to become to achieve that goal, it just creates a whole different level to it. And what I will say as well, I think if you don't consider this, right, and you have, let's use the millionaire example, right? Mm -hmm. You have an underlying limiting belief around money. You may still get the million dollars, but what happens when you've got the million dollars and you don't believe you're worthy of it? You know, what behaviors, what are you going to do with that money? You know, it may, you may be that kind of person that still doesn't feel like a millionaire with a million dollars. It's not enough because the million dollars doesn't make you feel like a millionaire. It's, it's who you need to be. It's your belief that you are a millionaire or you are the person that can make a million dollars. And, and for me, it's like, you can get the thing or not, but it's your level of enjoyment when you get there. Like, are you going to be able to fully embrace it and be proud of everything you've achieved. Otherwise you're going to get there and you're just going to find another outcome-based goal to make you feel better, to fill that yeah. void within yourself. And really the work is who do I need to be and who do I need to believe in myself as to feel that for myself? Like you were saying, it's moving away from that external validation and, and, and moving within. Do you yeah, know what I mean? The internal, the internal validation, you hit a really good point because most people will make the million dollars and then end up sabotaging themselves or they end up yes. losing it. And you see, you hear this a lot in people win the lottery, right? They go, oh, I finally won. I won. And you, there's that common fact. I made it. <laughs> that after they win the lottery, they end up losing it. There's actually a really high number. I can't figure out the number now, but there's a really high number of people. I've that definitely will heard that money. before as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's because of that underlying belief that I don't actually know how to receive or hold this kind of energy. Yeah. And that's what it you is. don't believe that you're worthy necessarily yeah. of that money. Um, and, and as far as I understand, right, when you subconsciously have a belief, so if you have just randomly come into money, you don't necessarily believe that you're worthy of that kind of money. You think maybe it's just luck. You think, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not really yours. Then consciously your, your mind is going to try and marry your actions to reflect your subconscious because it likes that consistency, it likes that synergy. And that's why you end up self-sabotaging. And that's why the limiting beliefs are so important to acknowledge. And if we want to go full round circle, the way you acknowledge what those limiting beliefs are is by listening to the dialogue in your head. Yeah. That streams of thoughts, the words generally all cushion pad around a belief of, you know, I'm not lovable, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy of X, Y, Z, success, love, whatever it is. And when you yeah, start listening to that, 
you can then, I mean, I've, I've personally worked with an incredible woman, a therapist to kind of help me navigate this. And I think sometimes it's a really overwhelming, big kind of task. So I know it's amazing that there's people like you out there too, that people can work with to, to go through this. But I think essentially like the breakdown is focus on the chatter. It underpinned or it shows you what the underpinning limiting belief is. And then you can work on that so that when you get to where you want to go, you're not self-sabotaging. Yeah. But that's kind of been my experience. And I can definitely say that like when I've taken those strides in life or had a bit of momentum or, or felt quote unquote successful, I know that that limiting belief is still there or not because it does pop up in self-sabotaging thoughts. It's almost crazy. You think once I have momentum and stuff like that stuff doesn't happen, but it's almost like if you still have conflicting thoughts and beliefs, it's even stronger in those moments because it's just that it's conflicting. It, get, it gets louder. The yeah. louder it gets louder because it's getting more and more out of your comfort zone. It's the same mm-hmm. thing as like, you, you, imagine you replaced the million dollars for love. Like I've always wanted a partner and then you find the partner and you've, you work out ways to sabotage that relationship. Oh, that's not it, right? But ultimately, it's because deep down you have that belief that I'm not lovable or I'm not I'm not worthy of worthy. love. Worthy, yeah. Yeah, and it's the same thing. It's like understanding that if you don't really understand your limiting beliefs, you can set the goal, but eventually you're going to sabotage it. And let let me give you a, a relative example because it's just been in, in the in the news lately. Will Smith, right? The pure you you saw we all saw the slap that happened with Will mm-hmm. Smith, right? It was the biggest night of his career. His whole dream was to be one of the biggest movie stars in the world. A lot of people, I don't know if you've read his book, but in his book, he has a story about when he was growing up and how he was raised and his dad was quite violent. And like as a child, he used to see that his uh, dad would beat up on his mother. And because he would beat up on his mother, Will didn't know how to defend his mother and that made him feel weak, right? Now, see where I'm going with this, with the patterns? Mm -hmm. So it made him feel weak. He didn't feel like it was enough. So what did he do? He used humor to distract Hey, if I am funny, this and that, I can make everything calm and I can everything, everybody can be all good. And he became really good at it. That was his coping mechanism. Now, 30 years later, he still got this idea, this belief that I'm not, I'm not man enough. I'm not strong enough to stand up. And then somebody disrespects his wife. It was a joke, but something clicks. And you think about the worst fear, which was, I never want to be like my father. And because he says, I never want to be like my father, there is a fear that he might be like his father. And that's where the disconnection is. If you, if you always say, I never want to be like that, I never want to be like that, that you're focusing on being like that, even though you subconsciously don't, you don't want to, but subconsciously you're going to go there. Yeah, it's this idea because what you resist persists. By resisting something, you're still giving energy to it. Exactly. So what happens? The biggest night of his life, he's about to get an award and he hits it. That was what we call is hitting an upper limit. So he hit an upper limit because on the other side of that, that would mean that he actually made what he was meant to be, which was like the biggest movie star. got the Oscar. Everything was great, but he sabotaged it. He sabotaged his whole career and he would never be known for that Oscar. He'll be known as what he, for what he did that night. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a great example. Um, and a good reminder, I guess, in a way of, of why addressing and really taking the time to do this work, like there's no need to wait to do it. If there's something you want to achieve, you feel like, you know, if you're in that headspace, especially where you think that it's other people or other circumstances around you that are stopping you, I need Mm. to be honest with you right now. Like it is yourself and that is it. Like you create the hurdles in your life. You create the opportunities in your life and it all comes down to what you think and what you're open and receptive to. 
receiving. So I think that I love having these kinds of conversations with people who are also like really interested in it, especially those doing work in the space, because I think it's just so important. I've personally felt the benefit of doing this level of, of awareness, you know, beyond just surface level, you know, reading books and stuff. I think when it's really personalized and it's, it's attuned to who you are and who you want to be and someone mm. understands that, it's really, really powerful. I do want to talk about one more thing before we, um, before I let you go today. It's about mm. boundaries. Yeah. I mean, setting boundaries is something that's not new on this podcast. We've spoken about it a lot, but I'm really interested in, and I saw this on a video on your Instagram, you spoke about the idea of an, or a need, should I say, to set boundaries with repercussions. Mm. And this is something that's kind of a little bit new. And I think that the listeners would really get some value in. So I'd love for you to share your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, if you don't set, if you set a boundary, like, yeah, cool. That's the first part. We need the courage to just speak up and say, Hey, this is not okay. But unless you follow through when that person tries to persist through that boundary again, the boundary is useless. And this is what most people don't understand about boundaries. It's actually one of the, the biggest questions I get asked all, all the time is like, how do I set boundaries to this? Or how do I speak up around this? And boundary starts with ourselves, right? This is what people really need to understand is that it doesn't start with setting it with that person. It starts with myself. And you would be like, well, why does it start with myself? Because boundaries is, I have to have boundaries in my own home space first. I have to have boundaries in my own. I have to have boundaries like if I go say I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to go to the gym. If I say I'm going to make my bed, I make my bed. I'm setting boundaries, little things in my room because then I'm starting to believe and I'm starting to trust myself. Now, every time I set an alarm and I don't get up when I say I'm going to get up and I press snooze five or six times, I'm not going to trust myself, right? So there's already, I'm already breaking my own boundaries. So then you get this person that attracts another person and they're so used to, this person is so used to getting what they want, right? And maybe you're a giver and, you know, yes, you just say, yes, I'll just go with the flow, right? This is what I, would, I used to do, by the way. I'll just go with the flow because I'm a nice guy. And being the nice guy ended up getting me more disconnected from myself more than ever. And that was because I didn't know how to say no. So when I would say no, I would get extremely uncomfortable or this person, I'm going to say person B, would project. They'll be angry or upset. and then that Because they're not getting what they want and they're exactly. used to Exactly. And then the moment they get angry, upset, I give in. The moment I give mm -hmm. in, they're happy. But guess what? Now I'm upset. Yeah. Now, eventually it gets to a point where you get into burnout or you end up like losing your shit, right? And ultimately- Well, you're just not even yourself anymore. You're basically just a version of you for someone else at that point. Exactly. And that's where the disconnection is because you're like, I want to make this person happy, but I'm so far away from myself. I don't even know what it is anymore. So when you set boundaries, it is so important that when you set it, you have to go, okay, what is the plan if this person comes back and tries to ask me again? And I, and as, as uncomfortable as it was at the start, it's going to be uncomfortable for the first five or six times. You have to repeat it. Hey, thank you for asking, but I'm sorry, I can't do that. Yeah. It's one of those things where if they're used to you saying yes, and then all of a sudden you start to say no, they have to also get used to you not being available on call all the time. And I think this is really important, especially within the context of even a romantic relationship. I mean, even within the context, I've been with my fiance eight years and he was actually really good with boundaries at the beginning and taught me because I came from a previous relationship where there was none. It was like really like, I'll just yes, yes, yes to whatever you want. 
and I kind of came into this thinking, does he not like me because he's like, you know, mm-hmm. protecting his own time and like is he's with the boys tonight and that's like a non-negotiable, you know. He really taught me a lot about the importance of being yourself before you're yourself with someone else mm. because I think if you define yourself based off who you are in a relationship, that is only a part of you. And you're, the rest of you, you know, who you are for yourself, who you are in your profession, in your career, in your passions, that's not necessarily, that doesn't have to be dictated by who you are romantically, right? It's a part of you, but it's not the entirety of you. And so those mm. boundaries to protect all those aspects of you, I mean, on the podcast, we talk about your health, your relationships and your fulfillment as three separate categories. Your boundaries need to protect the things that are non-negotiable to you in each of those areas. Otherwise, one area just ends up sucking all of your time, all of your energy. And we know, you know, I mean, based off our theory on the balance theory, that that's when you fall out of balance. That's when you get to burnout, when you neglect other areas of your life for the sake of one. It's about yeah. finding a way to... You know, it's not about having them all equal at all times, but it's about having them all present and alive in a way that for you feels like they're prioritized. So I just wanted to throw that in because I think there's a really common misconception that, you know, because you have to quote unquote compromise in a relationship, which absolutely you do, but that doesn't mean you have to compromise who you are. And I think yeah. this conversation is is really indicative of that and just a parting thought I wanted to leave with everyone. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, boundaries equal self-care. And it's if you want a healthy relationship, you should have boundaries. Full stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Romantic, with family, with friends, all of them, all Everything. the deal. Emil, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. I'm really grateful for your time. And for the listeners who maybe want to connect with you, follow along your journey, maybe even work with you, where's the best place they can go? And I'll pop some links in the show notes below. Uh, they can find me on my Instagram right now at Emil Steinbelt, or follow me on my new YouTube channel. Actually, it's going to launch in about a week, which is at Emil Steinbelt as well. Amazing. Well, I'll make sure all those links are below. Thank you again for your time. And I look forward to chatting again sometime. Thanks for having me.